for listening to episode 174 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. As usual, we are recording this podcast right out of Three Stream Studio at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. And I am joined by the two great pastors and friends here at Shades Valley the only other two pastors here at Shades Valley. Brad and Jonathan, it's good to see you all, and how are you doing today? Well, I'm feeling pretty good because this might be the first time in my life that anyone has ever called me great. I know. I was like, man, I'm doing better now. I feel super hyped up. <laughs> like, Yeah, you know what? You're great you. too, John Mark. That's Thank right. You. Yeah. I love you, dude. Well, there's a lot of love in the room. It's, <laughs> it's fall, and I'm loving some football right now, and... <laughs> I, I knew I knew you were going to go there. I know that I knew it. I know that Ooh, Tanisha. I, I have did, something to contribute to this conversation today. I know that Tanisha didn't want us to talk about it, but she, she told sh- me again on Sunday. She shouldn't <laughs> have said that because now she's opened up the floodgates. Well, but but Tanisha. So I don't know what app you use to listen to podcasts, but John Mark very kindly has been putting together chapters. Uh, and the app that I use, which is an app called Overcast, I can simply scroll over to the chapters, and I can see exactly where the sports break is. I can see how long it is, and I can also just skip right over to the next thing. So True. if you use an app that can, does chapters, you, you'll know, and you'll be able to get right around it. Can you title it Sports Break Brought to You by Tanisha? <laughs> yes, I can. The Tanisha Garnier <laughs> Sports Break. Yeah, that would be great. We could even Tichi have a- Sports Break. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, what I was going to say was everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it across the entire country. It's the most talked about thing in college football today. What's that? Colorado, everybody. (laughs) Deion Sanders primetime. That's right. Oh, you thought I was going to say Alabama? No, Colorado (laughs) is on top of the college football world right now. They are 2-0 they destroyed Nebraska over the weekend. It has become appointment viewing on Saturdays for me to watch the Colorado Buffaloes and see what that team is up to. You had Wu-Tang Clan on the sidelines. You had Michael Irvin sporting Colorado gear. It's just out of control. It's it's a sensation. You know, th- this is really it's so fun. much fun. This is really funny to me right now because as as everyone knows, I don't keep up with college football at all. And so I got into a conversation yesterday with uh, none other than the Chase Zell. Oh um, yeah. And Chase was talking about how he watches college football on Saturdays all day and everything like that. And I asked him who his team was, and he was like, "Well, I, you know, I kind of I don't really have like a team, and so I kind of uh, mm. almost like pick a team each year." And I was like, "Well, who's your team this year?" And he's like, "Colorado." And my thought, because I have I don't keep up with anything, my thought is like, "Well, that's really random." <laughs> like I didn't know, I didn't know what I'm learning now that apparently yep. there is a buzz outside of the Azale home having to do with Colorado. That's right. Yeah, there's a buzz outside of the state of Alabama about football. I don't. I also don't have a team, as y'all know. And and That's every right. year, you've remained neutral every year as things start. You know, kind of ramping up. I think to myself, sh- should I finally enter the game? Should I pick a team? Should I follow a team? And I was thinking about that this year as before things started, and I was like, Lord, you know. If I should do this, I'm going to need you to give me a sign. Like, 
Who would I even follow? I mean, I was born in Texas, so I guess I could be a Longhorns fan. Mm. So, Lord, maybe if I should be a Longhorns fan, could you just send a very blatant sign for me <laughs> this year that that's what I should do? I don't know, guys. I might be a Longhorns fan now. <laughs> hey. I'm joking, of course. But you and Matthew McConaughey. I know that y'all weren't going to say anything about it because y'all are too kind, but Bama did lose. Like, by double digits for the first time I read at home since 2000. And it's, it's been like 20 years. Yeah, it was a long time. <laughs> 2007, I don't know that, though. <laughs> Well, 2007 was the last time that they lost to a non-conference opponent at home. And that was Saban's first year. And I believe that was a pretty close game. Last I, time. I think you're right. I last time it's, it's non-conference, though. Isn't Texas headed into the SEC? They are. Next so. year. See, I know things because I watched about half the game on Saturday. <laughs> it, was a, it was a wild Saturday. Go ahead, Brian. Here's the thing that I love with people talking about sports. All of us. This is like a universal Collective. experience. And I'm talking about myself right now. Yeah. Because I was doing it on Saturday as John Mark and I were watching the game. The Auburn game. The Auburn game. Yeah. The confidence with which people talk about sports <laughs> is absolutely amazing. And we all do it. Jonathan, I know you do it for your Braves. Like absolutely. all of a sudden we come in and we start talking yep. like we are masters. Like we know. <laughs> like we are masters of this profession. Listen, speak yep. for and yourself. I could manage the Braves. <laughs> Not at all. See, that's <laughs> yeah. the attitude. Not at all. Exactly. And so anyway, just hearing everyone's hot takes about everything, and that's the thing, you know, that's part of the fun is the passion, the intensity, all of it. But it's just so great, and I even do it myself. I'm like, well, we here's what it. we need to do, clearly. We all do. We I've thought. never played football. I've never coached football. I've never read a book about football. I don't even really know how football works in a lot of ways when Did it comes to Did you ever play plays. football? No, I did flag <laughs> football. My dad wouldn't let me. My dad wouldn't let me uh, because he got some concussions from football. Oh. So, mind you, I ended up getting five concussions in other ways <laughs> outside of football. But, yeah, that was always a big thing for him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, we all think we can do better. We all think yeah. we Anyway, we it's know, just comical. We know how Hugh Freeze should run the Auburn offense. Yeah. Everybody thinks they know how Saban, who's Everyone, yeah. won six if championships. If only Saban knew what he was doing. If only Saban knew what he was – he's won six titles – at Alabama, right? Or it, has he won seven? See, I lost listen, count. Listen, I, there's so there's many I've many. lost count. John Mark, <laughs> I'm just going to say that given the same resources, I could do the same thing. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> given the same resources. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you love it because we all do it. We can all just kind of oh. admit it together. Well, corporate confession. Do you all have more things you're wanting to expertly nope. talk about? No, with that? So why don't we move by far? Some, yeah. By why far don't we, we move into move some on. fields where we have some actual some, experts yes. in the room? So, J.M., Music, please. James album of the week. Man and me will do nearly anything as for conversation wherever you want to break. Take a woman like you to get through. To the man in me. All right. I 
That's right. Bob Dylan is releasing a new box set this November titled The Complete Budokan 1978. This comes from his world tour that he was doing in the late 70s. He played uh, a series of concerts in Budokan Hall, Tokyo, Japan. There was an album that he released called Live at Budokan. It came out in 1979. It was kind of a collection from, from those concerts. Well, this is the full box set. So this will include three dozen unreleased tracks. It'll be a four-CD set. It'll be a deluxe box set, I'm sure, on vinyl. I don't know all the details on that. It's coming out in November, and this is the first single, uh, a track called The Man in Me, uh, that was recorded during those concerts and here's the thing with Bob Dylan this is what I tell people people don't really understand about Dylan is that uh, does he have the greatest voice in the world no is he the best musician if you're just looking at objective standards or subjective standards no what he does is he takes his songs and you will hear this on the original Budokan record and probably on this box set upcoming, he refashions, retools all of his songs constantly. The man is 80 years old. I just saw him in concert last year, and he was doing songs differently than he's ever done them before. And that is a trend throughout his entire career. He can take these wonderfully crafted songs and make them into something new. And that's what's exciting. That's what makes his music thrive and feel alive and that's why one of the reasons one of the many reasons why i love bob dylan 58 tracks wow 58 tracks 58 tracks in this box set live tracks and and the the band is really interesting too because it's like they have some mandolin they have some flute i just heard a sax they have some sax i mean it's it's awesome they got great background vocalists i mean the recording sounds great yeah it's killer so, yep, check it out, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. The full box set coming out this fall. And what was this song called? The Man in Me. That's right. It's great, man. I love it. All right. I love it. Well, on to the next expert. How about an expert in books? What kind of expert musician made this track? <laughs> how, how, what's the update? On the uh, the new the new title, uh, you know, there's so many projects. It was just kind of in a queue. It's in a it's in a li- it's in the line waiting. It definitely needs to be priority. Got to wait your turn, Bradford. Many this, pe- this is an important man. Many people are are asking about it. Welcome to Bradford's Book Club. We're glad to have you with us for another edition. I've been on a little bit of a series kick. I've been talking about series recently. All right. I don't know what that says about me. I need to think about that. But I'll be introducing another series today, a series titled Short Studies in Systematic Theology. And let me say, sometimes I'll get questions from people wanting something for a daily devotion. So they'll either ask for a commentary or, or something to read. So if, if you want to get into scriptures, then really what I've found to be the most helpful would be a commentary that's a little less um, extensive or dense, you know, depending upon how you're wired (laughs) and your interest level in the subject matter. But 
Uh, what could also be helpful is to do a little systematic theology. Look at different theological subjects like the atonement, for instance. And that's the book that I'm going to be introducing today. It's uh, one book in the series, Short Studies in Systematic Theology, titled The Atonement and Introduction by Jeremy Treat. What does the atonement mean for our daily lives? The cross is the climax of the biblical story, the center of Christian theology. So Jeremy Treat presents the atoning work of Christ as a multidimensional accomplishment within the story of the kingdom. The death of Jesus not only reconciles sinners to God, but also to one another, calling God's people into a life of taking up their crosses and following their king. Treat offers a kingdom-framed, substitution-centered, multidimensional, multidimensional, integrated, trinitarian approach to the doctrine of atonement. Isn't that great? That sounds like a Dr. Smith sermon. Um, this is the kind of theology that renews the mind, grips the heart, and equips the church. Andrew Wilson, who we talked about last week, yep. he wrote recommendation. He said, this is a master class in short, clear, and accessible systematic theology. Mm. Let me just give you a, a this little... Is, this is by Crossway, right? This is by Crossway, they yeah. Also, they also do those... I figured it was they do the short studies in biblical theology series. That's right. Anyway, yes. Sorry, I interrupted. Keep going. That's a good series as well. It might be next. So, let me just give you a little taste, a little sampling, a little appetizer, you know? The heart of the atonement the means by which Christ accomplishes his multidimensional work is that Christ died in our place for our sins. This is the great exchange. He died so that we can live. He was cursed so that we can be blessed. He was wounded so that we can be healed. He went into exile so we can be at home. He was crushed so that we can be made whole. He carried our guilt so that we can be forgiven. He bore our shame so that we can receive honor. He experienced defeat so that we can have victory. He was condemned so that we can be declared innocent. He took our moral stains so that we can be washed clean. He was plunged into darkness so that we can walk in the light. Whew. Good stuff. Yeah. I've enjoyed reading it so far. I think it's a great introduction to the doctrine of atonement. So check it out. The Atonement and Introduction. By Jeremy Tree, sold in bookstores everywhere. Dude, that's awesome. And I have a, I got a little bit of encouragement and some feedback for Bradford's book club. Oh, every, wow. Every now and then we get some feedback. And I don't have permission to share this at all. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> so Good. we have a couple of really dedicated listeners. Um, hundreds, really. One, one such listener is none other than uh, Connor Sullivan. Um, who Connor and his wife Amanda, they're newer to Shades. Oh, okay. And uh, Holly and I got to hang out with them this this past week. And Connor, I believe, is one of the few who has listened to like every episode wow. of Shades Midweek. Um, Bless you. Connor. Yeah, he, he's done what none of us in this room have done. <laughs> um, but anyway, but Amanda, so we started talking about Shades Midweek at one point, and Amanda started talking about Bradford's book club. She's a big time reader. <laughs> Oh, and okay. She took one of your book recommendations. Oh, I'd be curious to know which one. It was uh, "Everything Sad Is Untrue" by Daniel Nairi. Ah, uh, yes, and that just was raved about her experience reading that book, and just yeah. So ah, cool. Gave two thumbs up to Bradford's book club. So I just I wanted you to have a little bit of encouragement because I know that sometimes I can kind of dog on a few things um, and and rag you and tease you. So there's some encouragement, not from me, but through me. Thank you. So, <clears throat> I'm all about the encouragement, Brad. Uh, He's about to discourage. 
I, go ahead, bring me back down to earth. I need to go back to the archives, but I want to say that book selection was Grant Primo's. It was Grant Primo. And he guested <laughs> on Brad's segment that week, and that's the book that you just referenced. I'm sorry, Brad. I tried to encourage you. Listen, I really did. Listen, I am encouraged, because Bradford's book club has never been about Brad. It's been about the books. <laughs> that's been our message, and clearly... That's been communicated. Oh. But yes, that's an incredible book. If I actually talked about it in a sermon you as did. well. Yeah. It's the only book I've and ever listened to in audiobook form. And oh, I'm not a big wow. audiobook guy, but Daniel Nairi reads it. And so it's just it's a lot of fun. And I, his his family was from Iran, is that correct? Dude, it is a wild story. It okay. is a wild story. Well, John Mark, you're about to say something. I was just gonna say to pivot back to the encouragement, at the oh, end yeah, of the yeah. day, regardless of whether or not that was your recommendation directly, right, right, you yeah. created the space. That's right. In which Bradford Book Club inhi- uh, inhibits. Is that the right word? Inhabits. 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 <sighs> okay. And you've created this space. You've opened it up, and that's all that matters. Well, it doesn't matter if it was your recommendation or not. You created the space in which that recommendation could happen. You know, in my mind, you know, it's Bradford's book club, and so he has to give the okay, even when it's a guest. And so in my mind, every right. book that's recommended in that segment is your recommendation. Right. That's right. Well, <laughs> and listen, I know it feels appropriate to move on, but I do want to share this story. Okay, please okay, do. Okay, so you sharing that book reminded me that I recently had friends who were pastors. They went to Germany on a mission trip. When they were in Germany, they were working with Christian Iranian refugees. So that the, these are Christians who um, are refugees from Iran because they are Christians. Right. They had to right. leave. And so they were sharing stories about what God is doing, what God has done in Iran and with, the, with this Christian community. So many insane stories. I don't have time to tell them all. I actually shared some of them with the prayer team the other Sunday. But here's one that one gentleman told. So in Iran, it's illegal to proselytize. And so this one guy was suspected of sharing his faith with others. And uh, apparently, uh, according to this community, when you get to the courts in Iran, it's like you're kind of done at that point. Like, there's not a lot of hope. If you've made it to there, it can, it can be a, a very weighty thing for Iranian Christians because it is very likely, if not certain, that you're going to be sent to life in prison. And so he was thinking about fleeing, but he said he felt like the Holy Spirit was telling him, like, I'm with you. You're going to be okay. So this man goes into the court, and uh, as the proceedings start, the judge tells everybody, to leave the room. And so everyone leaves the room and uh, the judge tells the man that he wants him to pray for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and so the, uh, the man was like, is this a trap? Like, is he, is he getting right, me to prove right. that I'm a Christian? But he said he, he felt like he was supposed to pray. So he started praying. And after several minutes praying, to Jesus, the judge goes, okay, um, I had a dream last night. And who the judge saw is God, 
told him that he needed to um, save or rescue a Christian today. He said, I'm not a Christian, uh, but my mother's a Christian. And so uh, I'm essentially like, I think you're that man that God in a dream told me to save. And so like, take your things. You need to leave the country. (laughs) Wow. This man's been relocated Germany. What, uh, this is very brief. Uh, another thing that will happen is in some of their services in Germany, uh, they will have people on the phone in Iran and they're basically telling them the sermon that they're listening to. And they're sharing about the gospel to people in Iran through the phone. And there have been multiple times where someone has said, hey, this person just gave their life to Christ, uh, uh, like, through the phone in, in Iran. Crazy stories, people giving up their lives. Anyway, very encouraging to see what God is doing around the world. Um, and so often, as you hear in, uh, uh, with Islam, is Jesus visiting people in dreams. I know, man. And showing up in dreams, it's it's powerful. It's, it's uh, absolutely breathtaking. So... Mm-hmm. I was encouraged. Anyway, cool. little sidebar there. Well, that's awesome. Well, I mean, with things happening around the world, uh, real quick, things happening at Shades that that God has been doing. We had our Roots seminar yesterday, which was like a new membership class that we do a couple of times a year, and we had an excellent turnout to that. And I was just, uh, I was really happy and enthused with this group. It was such a great group. There was probably what 20 folks there yesterday yeah one of our one of our bigger groups i, I feel like that we've yeah, had in for a sure. while mm-hmm. um and and all ages too you you know um diff- people in different walks of life and different seasons and so it was really encouraging we had that if you have any questions about church membership and you couldn't make it to the root seminar the easiest way to find out more is really just to contact one of us and we can book an appointment a coffee a hangout if you want to come to the office, just let us know. Just email us at office at shadesvalley.org. That's the best way to do that if you're still interested about membership. Um, there's one other thing happening, another community event that's coming up. We have an SVCC kitchen hangout that is being put on by Christy Crump, and it's coming up on September 24th, immediately following the service. So the idea here is an open invitation to anyone that goes to Shades, you go on Church Center, you sign up to come to this community hangout in the kitchen. Uh, you bring some ingredients that are that are needed on that list, and everyone's going to make frozen meals that can then go out to folks in the community that need it. So let's say someone's sick in the hospital and that family doesn't have time to make a meal, well, then there would be a frozen meal ready to go in the freezer here at the church that that could be given to that family or, or those people. So that's really awesome, and we're really excited about uh, that starting up. So there's there's just a lot of cool cool things happening at Shades. We've got talk, – talk, talk to us, Jonathan, about uh, the family meal that's coming up on October 1st, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So um, if, if you've been around Shades uh, for a while, you know that on occasion we'll do these, like, hangouts on Sunday for lunch. A lot of times, if the weather's good, we'll do what we call a picnic in the park. So think that kind of thing. Basically, it's an invitation to stay after the morning service and to have lunch. 
Uh, and the point of it is definitely like connection with one another and building community and all of that. But there's a little bit of a new kind of added dimension to it. Uh, and that is really connection with leadership here at Shades Valley, most specifically connection with uh, our lay elders. So our elders who uh, aren't on staff, they're not paid, they're, they're volunteer. Um, and so because that group uh, has like a rotation and changes from time to time, I think it can be easy for people sometimes, even people who go here all the time, to be like, well, who are the current elders? Because maybe when you hear the word elders, like some of the people that come to mind are people that have served but aren't currently serving or or what have, or maybe you've had times where you're like, man, I'd like to ask a question right now about anything, you know, going on at Shades or what have not. And I don't really know who to ask. Or, or maybe I have a word of encouragement or maybe I have a prayer request or whatever. So, one of the efforts here is to have these family meals once a quarter in which the elders are made visible um, and in which the congregation is encouraged to interact with. You can sit at a table with an elder. You can have a conversation. You can ask questions. You can um, just get to know them. You can uh, offer words of encouragement, ask for prayer, all of these different kinds of things. There's no like really specific kind of like agenda with it. It's really just more for connection um, with and, and opportunities uh, for, I mean, I should say this, you can connect with our elders anytime you want to. Uh, like, the, 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 that is, there's like an open door, open invitation policy, but this is kind of more going, okay, here is a time set aside, all of our elders will be in the same place, um, and we, we want to connect with the congregation. So it kind of, it's, it's instead of like going, hey, congregation, uh, you can connect with the elders anytime you want. Take the initiative. It's the elders taking the initiative to connect with the congregation. So that's kind of how it's different than like a uh, normal setup. But yeah, so on October the 1st, um, we everybody's invited to stay. There will be a lunch actually here provided we're still, we, we didn't announce it yesterday because we're still kind of working out a few of the details. But what it looks like is going to happen is that there will be a lunch cooked here uh, that will be served, and all monies uh, that are received, uh, it'll be on a donation basis, are going to go to support the hospitality ministry here, specifically the coffee bar uh, here at Shades. And so, so yeah, there's kind of uh, one stone and a couple of birds that, that it's getting thrown at uh, here. So, pre-orders for those meals so we'll know how much to prepare should start either sometime this week or if not by next Sunday. And so, yeah, that's that's what's happening. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, we've got a busy week here at Shades. I'm out of town for a couple of days. Jonathan's going to be deep in prep work and just a number of things going on. So we recorded a little early this week, and I'm actually about to do an interview in the next hour or so with a friend of mine that lives here in Birmingham. He's a worship pastor at Faith Presbyterian. He's also a songwriter and musician. His name is Kirk Sowers, and he's got a show coming up this Friday here in Birmingham where he's going to be performing original music off of uh, from his project, The Wood Drake Sessions. So I haven't done that interview yet, but it's coming up. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can email us midweek at shadesvalley.org. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll see you next time.
thank you so much for listening once again. And I am really excited for this interview uh, with a friend of mine. He's a worship pastor here in Birmingham at Faith Presbyterian. He's a, a songwriter and a musician, super talented. Um, so everyone just give a huge uh, midweek welcome to Kirk Sowers. Kirk, Kirk, how are you doing today? I'm doing much better now that I heard that round of applause. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't tell you about the live studio audience we have here. Oh, man, I, I had no idea. Yeah, this is a, awesome. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Well, Kirk, I know you're you're a busy man, and you, you granted us some time today just to chat about what's going on in your life and uh, what's going on with the music that you make. So let's let's just get started for for those who don't know who you are. Let's just let's just talk a little bit about just your background. Where are you from? Tell us maybe uh, how you got into ministry. Just just kind of walk us through a little bit of that story. Yeah, love that. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up uh, east of Atlanta, not too far from Athens, Georgia. So and um, I've been a believer since I was very young, and um, however, when I went to college, uh, the Lord just did a lot in my life during that time. I went to Georgia College near Macon, Georgia, and uh, right after college, I I was um, I decided that I wanted to go into full time ministry. So I, I worked. Uh, that was kind of my start in terms of like vocational. Uh, full-time ministry. I started uh, uh, right right out of grad right after graduating college, um, working in a college ministry, and I did that for about um, uh, about five years, and I spent most of that time well in two different places. One in in Statesboro, Georgia, uh, down at there's a large university there called Georgia Southern, and then uh, and then a smaller campus. I was at, at, at Augusta University for a couple of years as well. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, at the end of that five years, I, um, I decided that uh, it was, you know, the Lord was leading me on from college ministry, but I was a musician <clears throat> and uh, I'd been writing songs for, for many years, um, kind of starting in my early teens. And, uh, at the time, I just sort of was like, I'd, I'd really like to try something uh, with my music, uh, kind of more than what I had had been doing. And uh, so I, I decided to sort of do a cold turkey move to Nashville. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Uh, I moved from Augusta to Nashville, um, and I was in Nashville for almost nine years, and that was just a very, just wonderfully beautiful and just just time i just i, I was uh so I, I got into um kind of the the music world there did a lot of um a lot of songwriting um i did some occasional uh just gigging as a musician um mostly for uh doing like background vocals and stuff like that i, I played mandolin and that kind of got me to Going a few random gigs here and there through my time there, and um, but during that time, about uh, I moved there in 2010, but 2015 I just really felt, or I'm sorry, 2013, I really just felt the Lord 
drawing me back towards working, uh, specifically working in ministry. And I was a part of a church plant there um, already at the time. And we had grown a little bit and uh, we kind of grew to the, to the point where uh, I was kind of the first additional um, hired uh, worship pastor there. And so uh, I spent a number of years um, working with the church in Nashville until I, until I moved in in 2018 or 19 and uh so anyways and i've kind of been in worship uh ministry since really since then that's been a few years in augusta i I moved back to augusta and i worked at first presbyterian church there okay uh and then most recently i have moved to birmingham and uh i'm now the worship uh, pastor at uh, faith presbyterian church here yeah, that's super cool. How are you? How are you enjoying Birmingham so far? Because what what's it been now? Uh, you move here in March or yeah. April? Yeah, yep, about six or seven months now. And um, man, I I I really love it. Um, I I I think I mean, my 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 thing about Birmingham the whole time is I I really think it's a hidden gem of a place in the South. You know, you, you always hear about people talking about you know, uh, Atlanta or Nashville or, you know, Greenville or something, just Charleston. And I'm like, uh, I'm I'm like, I don't understand why Birmingham is not in the mix. In my opinion, uh, I think it's a great place and, uh, wonderful people and just really, um, just a a really cool place to be. So my, my, uh, me and my whole family have really just loved it. Yeah, that's great, man. I'm excited for you guys. I'm glad you're in Birmingham. You know, so before we we get to the music that you make, uh, what's been going on at Faith Presbyterian? Yeah, so um, we are um, lots of crazy things. I would say kind of the way I would sum it up in terms of uh, I say crazy in the sense of it's just we're we're very much a growing congregation, and actually my my role here is, uh, is, is new in the sense of, um, it's moved from a a part-time role to a full-time role. Okay. And a lot of the reasons for that is just, um, we've just had a lot of growth and, uh, and so there are wonderfully awesome things about that. And then there's of course challenges in, in growth, but, um, it's just, uh, I would say my, my general sense is, uh, I'm just so encouraged. I feel by, uh, that, that the Holy, uh, the Holy spirit is really at work here. Um, mm-hmm. by his, by God's grace, uh, there's just a, um, just an atmosphere of that is grounded in the gospel. It's grounded in resting in Jesus. Um, it's grounded in um, just all all the finished the finished work that he has accomplished for us, and I just feel like that's the story. You know, from a personal standpoint, that I'm I'm just hearing each week uh, from the pulpit, just in 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 our small groups. Uh, I try to try to bring that messaging into the into the songs we sing as well. And um, but we're just it's a very much a growing congregation. I think. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I would say over the past, like, uh, you know, 
six to seven years, it, it, we've almost doubled in size. And, wow. And, uh, and I don't, I don't really know the reason for that. It, you know, faith, we're a Presbyterian church. And so, you know, uh, for those that aren't very familiar with Presbyterian churches, you know, there's really not a lot of, uh, smoking and lights really with, with our, our worship services. And, um, it's pretty liturgical and things of that nature. So I don't really, uh, it's just, um, I don't know. It's just grown a lot through, through the past number of years. And that's just in the place we're at. I, we're trying to figure out how do we keep, you know, people connecting and kind of, as we grow, how do we keep it feeling small? Because we, we really want, um, you know, those relationships to go, to run deep inside the church. And so, um, but it's, it's an encouraging, <clears throat> encouraging time, but, you know, as, as you know, uh, with, with, with that type of growth, it's, uh, there's also, it presents its challenges as well. But, um, but yeah, so that's a little bit about faith. Yeah, that's so encouraging to hear. I mean, clearly, clearly God is at work there and the Holy Spirit is moving and people are new people are showing up and getting connected with one another and and mm-hmm. and finding Christ there. So, man, just uh, that's just that's just such a good testimony and so good to hear. Um, it's it's always exciting when local churches within your city um, are thriving and God is doing new things there. So, um, very, very encouraging to hear. And yes, of course that, that does come with, uh, presents new challenges, uh, as you try to navigate, you know, maybe how to add new services or maybe to even Mm -hmm. have the space, uh, for all the folks that are, that are coming. So those can be good problems to have, but nonetheless, uh, challenges. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and and we we've actually got a, uh, you know, when I visited for the first time as as kind of walking through the interview process with the church, my first impression was uh, this place is busting out of the seams. We right. we don't have the space to accommodate the growth, so we're actually in the process of you know, building a new sanctuary right now. But uh, that'll be a, a two or three year journey, I think. <laughs> so, but. Uh, yeah, uh, all all encouraging things for sure. Well, Kirk, uh, let's pivot a little bit to songwriting and music making. So you said you started writing songs when you were a teenager. Did you did you learn how to play guitar first? Was that like your primary instrument that you picked up? It was, yeah. So uh, I was sort of a rebel child. My my mother uh, all my life has been a piano instructor, <laughs> so. <laughs> And uh, probably the mistake she made was try to be my piano instructor. Right. So, uh, so I, I sort of said I, I'm I don't want my mom to teach me piano, and I I took the guitar out. But I I was at a church growing up that uh, I would say maybe in an in an unusual way for that time uh, in the nineties. Um, there was a lot of people that were playing guitar and a lot of songwriters at my church. So it was like okay. writing songs was sort of like kind of the, just part of the ethos of like our church growing up. And so um, <clears throat> that naturally led me to, you know, 
want to kind of be in that, be in that space. And, uh, uh, so that, that's sort of how it got into not only guitar, but, but writing it, it was all sort of one package deal. It was just a lot of guys, uh, and girls that were at my church that were just guitar players and they wrote songs. And I thought that was just awesome. I wanted to be a part of it. So who are, who are some of your influences? I mean, I guess you're, you're kind of a, a nineties kid, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> oh, yeah. so what, what, what kind of stuff were you listening to? Yeah. Uh, I, I think, um, well, in terms of getting me into, uh, the idea of being a like singer songwriter, that, that space, uh, actually a guy named Mike Kennebury. Uh, okay. He's a local Atlanta artist. He's not like a, a, he's wonderful. He's not like uh, some of you may know, but he's not like a huge artist. But he's he's just a great storyteller with his songs, and uh, so he was a huge influence in terms of getting uh, involved in uh, in songwriting. But then just stuff that I was listening to. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of uh, country music, nineties country music. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I fell in love with, um, James Taylor. Uh, I fell in love with Emmylou Harris, um, yeah. kind of in my late high school and early college days. Yeah. Um, um, man, uh, just, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I have a, probably like many people, a, a somewhat diverse, palette of, of uh of just different influences but um but that i would say maybe those three spaces country kind of james taylory type of vibes um those, those are all huge in my life so. yeah i mean when i've been listening to your record i hear the james taylor influence uh for sure yeah. and you know you mentioned uh emmy lou harris man there's a record that just as kind of like a side note here, but since you mentioned it, I, I just recently became hip to it. Maybe, I don't know, two years ago. It's a record that she did. I I think in the nineties, Daniel Lanois produced it. It's called wrecking. I think it's called wrecking ball. Have you ever listened to okay. that Emmy Lou Harris record? Uh, I may have, I would say the, the, the one record that I know of that when I think of like, Oh man, I got hooked on, on Emmy Lou was, uh, I want to say it was pieces from the sky. Okay. Uh, but wrecking ball, I'm trying to, what's on wrecking ball. If you, you, you were calling it's, it's like she, um, she, I know that she probably did some covers. I don't know how much of it is original material. And I think it was probably, so it was put out in 95. So, right. uh, there's a song called where will I be? Um, there's a song called wrecking ball. She covers Dylan's every grain of sand. Um, you know, it's just an, it's a really cool, it's like, uh, you know, I love Daniel Lanois as a producer and he's produced, you know, obviously like Dylan and, and you two and just, you know, massive artists. But I, I like what he, what he did with her sound because he kind of took those instrumental flourishes that he was kind of known for with some of his earlier work and like put that with Emmy Lou Harris's voice and it's just, mm. it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, her, her, uh, her voice is just like, uh, unlike any, anything other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
And I, I listened to a lot of her. I can't remember some of the the records that the names of "Pieces from the Sky" is the one I think of that I know I yeah I kind of wore out. Uh, and, and there may be a lot of Ricky Skaggs combination with that. I had a season where I got really into bluegrass, and that's okay. actually kind of how I stumbled into Emily Harris was uh, probably somewhere along the line through Ricky Skaggs, and then because Ricky Skaggs did a lot of a lot of work with her, but. Um, but man, she, her her voice is amazing. And one of my favorite shows I've ever seen when I lived in Nashville was just I kind of stumbled on it walking down. Uh, I was getting dinner one evening at a this taco place in in Nashville, and like two two uh, like in this really this alley, a couple of buildings down, uh, she was doing a a free show. <laughs> For uh, with the Civil Wars. Oh my goodness! It was it was just the three of them, and it, it was in this like I don't know how to describe it. But it was in this alley in Nashville, <laughs> and I not too far from like Music Row, and there was probably two hundred people filled the alley, and I just was like lucky enough to just happen to be nearby and be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever uh, stumbled upon. Uh, so, anyways. Um, that is wild. So they, did they have like a PA or was it like just acoustic or what was? Yeah, yeah they had like a PA set up and um, that is but it, wild. Was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, my so. goodness. That sounds incredible. Yeah, man, when the Civil Wars were were happening, that was such a big deal. Um, man, uh, and, that's yeah, crazy. absolutely. So. Well, the Woodrake Sessions is your latest project, and, I, and I'm curious – is this something that you've been working on for many years? And let's just hear a little bit about how it started and, and who all is involved with it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's basically a collaboration with uh, uh, between me and a friend of mine out in uh, he's now in uh, Longmont, Colorado, near, near Boulder. Uh, his name is Paul Renheim. We met. Uh, we both used to live in Nashville, and we met on a songwriting retreat probably in like 2017 or 18, and uh, just kind of hit it off as as friends, and really appreciated. Um, we really appreciated, I think, each other's approach to songwriting. Um, I think the songwriting world in Nashville is is wonderful. Uh, one of the things I always struggled with it. Uh, was you always felt like you were, you know, you had three or four hours if you were doing a collaboration or co-writing with somebody. You had three or four hours to put that song together, and if it if it wasn't together in that three or four hours, everybody's moving on to the next thing. Wow. And uh, yeah. and you know, there's some, you know, I suppose there's some value in that. Like, uh, you know, it's kind of more of a quantity approach in some ways. Right. But I just always struggled with it a little bit because I feel like I would get these songs going with, uh, with a co-writer and I just was never allowed to address it again because <laughs> no one had time to come back to a song. And, uh, I always love how slow, uh, and, and just, uh, how slow the work was with, with Paul. Um, cause I kind of had a similar approach. I just always wanted to find, just kind of wanted to spend time, on the song and, and find yeah. the best thing. And so we really, I think probably found a, a you know, we're kind of like mind and we 
kind of found a similar writing process there that we both appreciated. And um, so we moved. I moved to Augusta at that time in 2018, and then he moved to Colorado. But um, when the you know when the pandemic happened in 2020, uh, we had already prior to that. Um, probably similar to this podcast, we had just kind of started reconnecting in 2020, just sort of uh, uh, gave us a reason at the time to really start writing a lot more. And so we spent a lot of the, on the, on the record, the one record that we've done, most of those were written during the pandemic um, through Zoom, pretty much. <laughs> we, we connected <laughs> on Zoom and just started writing. And, and once we figured out how to make that work, we did that and uh we just sort of were like i don't think we ever set out to say hey let's get together and make a record i think we were just both it was a combo of like we both felt called to to write songs we appreciate each other as songwriters and we were both worship pastors and wanted to you know try to write songs for our own congregation yep and uh and that that kind of journey led to um uh, us uh, releasing two two songs off the record to see if hey let's let's record these and uh, and then we re- re- released two and we're like you know what we we, get, we had enough good response to feel like hey let's just let's just put a full record out and take it from there so uh, so we put that record out in officially in 2022 of last uh, April mm-hmm. of last year and uh, but the, the journey kind of started early 2020. Did you guys record remotely as well, or what was that process we, like? Yeah, we did some of it remote, um, but most of it was done uh, in Nashville. So we it, there was we found those like pockets where you know uh, it just kind of made sense to, to get together uh, and do it, um, spend time in the studio. So we had probably two different studio sessions. Uh, in Nashville, um, kind of in person, and then some of it was shopped out to, to different um, you know people uh, who might have added something in from you know somebody might have been in New York or something, but most of it was done in Nashville. And um, so anyways, uh, yeah, and, and it was just such a such a fun process. I, I just we, we we really got some great musicians to be a part of it, and. Um, and it's just so fun to watch really good musicians bring a song to life, you know, yep. and just bring a song to, to, to the place where it's like, that's what that song is supposed to sound like. That's what I heard in my head, you know, when, uh, when I'm writing it, but it just kind of comes to its full bloom when you get these great musicians on it. And we were just so blessed to have that. Well, I love how you talked about just the intentionality behind writing and crafting these songs. And I think when you listen to the record, production and arrangement aside, when you're really looking at the songs and the lyrics, you can tell that these songs were crafted with love and intentionality. I I just love that idea of taking time and not feeling like you need to be rushed and produce something that's you know more on a mass produced scale and that you could actually you know work on some ideas and really take some time to kind of sit with it 
and and wrestle with it a little bit. And I think yeah. that I think that comes out in the record. And then and then really when you when you take the the whole album and you listen through it and you listen through all the production, man, it's it's solid from top to bottom and there's no like people need to understand there's no filler. It is like it's tight and everything is in its right place and I, I've really been enjoying listening to it, man. Oh man, thank you so much. And and uh you know, uh Lucas Morton is the pr- producer on that and he he's just a, you know, in addition to musicians bring it to life, you know, someone who who like Lucas to to really just have the brain to put the right sounds in the map and the in the yep. feel and the dynamics of the song in a way that just makes it say yes, that's that's it. Um, it, it, he's just such a guest to work with. And there's a number of guest appearances on the record. You, uh, Sandra McCracken, Liz Vice, just to name a few. Were those just connections that you had made throughout your time at Nashville? And th- those are friends of yours, or how, how did how did that come about? Yeah, um, you, you know, Sandra is somebody we knew beforehand, and um, you know, between. Uh, well, we also knew Wendell Kimbrough. He's he's a, okay. a, a, a really wonderful. Uh, he, he's really done well with just kind of reimagining a psalter for uh, a present day, and so he just takes psalms and brings uh, a modern, uh, you know, language and spin to it in just such a palatable way. So we knew Wendell. We knew and we knew Sandra. Um, and then uh, Lucas, uh, be- between having Sandra on the record and Lucas uh, involved as the producer, um, that really kind of opened the doors to some of the other other artists like Liz Vice uh, and um, Leslie Jordan. And so uh, I-, I think some of that is a snowball effect when when they say, "Oh, Sandra and right, right. you know Sandra is Luke and Lucas are on this. Sure, I'd love to be a part of it." And, right. So everyone was so gracious, you know, because we're just, you know, uh, we're, you know, we're not a big deal at all, you know what I mean? And, and I, I just look up so much to each of the artists on there, and I'm like, I'm just blown away that they were gracious enough to, to be a part of our project, and 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 uh, so we're we were just thrilled and humbled and kind of in awe that that, that happened. <laughs> so. Yeah, you, um, you you gotta love it when things just come together like that when you're working on a project, right? Right. And we really wanted the the album to be sort of a um, we wanted it to have a, a, a um, some versatility to it in terms of like you know presenting it to churches uh, as as these are you know I'd say probably half of the album could be done con- you know in a congregational setting. Uh, where, where everybody could sing along, and we really wanted to create a situation where um, uh, we wanted to create a situation where uh, it just felt like um, it, it's not just my voice or just Paul's voice, but we really had like a plurality of voices represented on the project as sort of a gift to um, the church. Absolutely. Um, I did want to ask you before, before our time is up, uh, 
I was thinking through a specific song that I really wanted to feature and hone in on. So I didn't ask you this before we did the interview, but uh, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the song, I See a King. And the reason uh, that I wanted to talk about it is because being a fellow worship pastor, we're always looking for songs to introduce to our congregations. And there are, there are a number of different ways in which you can do that. So maybe that's, you know, going to the CCLI, which I've, I've talked about that here on the podcast before. I've talked about what, what CCLI is. Um, but, you know, that would be maybe a method that a worship pastor would use to find new songs or maybe, you know, hanging out with friends. Hey, have you heard about this? What are you doing at your church? Personal relationships and things like that. But one thing that I've noticed as I continue to do this vocationally is that sometimes there are just songs that aren't there in the catalog, in the broader, more mainstream catalog that are singing about specific things. So, for example, lament. You know, there's not a lot Mm -hmm. of lament happening in kind of the broader mainstream American churches. We're just not singing a lot of songs of lament on Sunday mornings, but yet the the book of Psalms is filled, it's just filled with lament, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, I think other themes... Uh, I think of themes like justice. So what I love about this song is, yes, we we sing songs about the coming of the kingdom of God. Yes, we we sing songs about how God is is going to make all things new. But really, it's it's these verses that get me. So like, I see a king ruling with equity, reigning with empathy in the name of love. I see a king standing with those in need, welcoming refugees in the name of love. And and the, the other verses are incredible as well. It's like, it's it's a bummer that we don't sing more songs like that in the church. And so, first of all, so thank you for writing that. And and kind of what was your what was your process in in creating and writing that song? What were what were some conversations that that you were having at that time? Oh yeah, <clears throat> well that was written right in the middle of kind of all the un. Uh, the unrest of, uh, you know, the whole George Floyd, Brandon Taylor yep. um, time. Yep. And, you know, I, I, of course don't want to be like step into a political space here, but we were just wrestling through, um, you know, you just look at, at, uh, those just, you know, topics of justice and, and, uh, and, I think that the spirit of what, where we were at when I'm talking through a lot of that was, how right, we feel the heaviness of this um, and the weight of all these things. Uh, and, um, you know, the scripture is just not, not void at all about how God is bringing justice to, mm-hmm. in, into this into the world and he's going to bring shalom and he's going to bring justice and he's going to uh he's going to bring equity mm-hmm. you know uh he will level the mountains <laughs> you know? yeah yeah and um and yeah uh i i think a, a lot of the spirit of that was just it's really like a visionary song uh, i would say it's uh it's sort of this it captures the vision of um, sort of the final day when every square inch of the earth is going to be 
touched and covered by shalom, the peace of God, mm. and every square inch of the earth will be will be um, reigned by, and it will only know love, and it will only know his perfect the perfection of the King of Love, and so um, and so it's just sort of this visionary song. And I think I think a lot of the emotions that were stirred up during that time is like you just kind of get to this place where you're like come Lord Jesus, <laughs> you know, come Lord yeah. Jesus. And you long to see, um, the, the perfect justice of God touching every fabric of the world, you know? And, uh, so it, it's ultimately just a visionary song, it, but it was, it was, a lot of it was born out of kind of the, a lot of that unrest that we felt. Yeah. Uh, during that time um, and I agree you know I think um, our, our our lament muscles are pretty weak in the west at least in the western church uh, we we even like struggle to know where do you put a lament song yeah. <laughs> you know in a yeah. in a worship service but you know like like kind of like you said it's like a, a I think roughly a third of the psalms is devoted to lament and um, and then you know the same thing with with topics of uh you know, justice and mercy and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. We need we need to sing about those things because uh, you know, uh, the, lament is a language that's got God's given us the language of lament to, to sing, and he and then uh, he's 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 a God of um, who reigns in equity. He's a God who rules with with perfect justice, and he's going to bring that in, into the world in its fullness, you know, one day. So. Uh, it might be a little, little bit long-winded there, but yeah, it's just sort of this visionary song that just kind of hopes, hopefully, gets us our trajectory of our hearts and, and minds to that day, sort of the final day. But then, on the back end, hopefully, it helps us enter into issues of uh, justice and mercy, um, because uh, man, that's what that's what God calls us calls us to do to. Yep. to to walk humbly with him, do seek what is good and do justice and love mercy. <laughs> you know, those are things that God has called us to do. And that's because he's doing those things. That's who he is. So. Yeah. And I'm just thankful that, that uh, there are songwriters out there that are writing songs like this, that, and then that those, uh, those songs can become available to worship pastors that are, that are leading their congregations because as they're, as worship pastors are discipling, their congregation every week through decisions of, of songs and music. And we need to be singing about all the themes that are covered in the Bible, not only the love of God and not only his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives, but also the lament and the sorrow and being reminded of God's justice and mercy. And so it takes songwriters to craft those songs so that so that we can put that on the lips of the people that that come into church on Sunday mornings and and mm-hmm. remind them mm-hmm. of those things. So um, I, I love that tune, man. So tell us about what's going on this Friday. So you guys are doing doing a show, the Woodrake Sessions. Yes, yeah, and you are uh, graciously being a part of it to make it uh, to elevate it to the next level as a drummer. So, <laughs> man, I'm pumped, um, man. I'm I'm pumped about it. I, I am too. And uh, so, yeah, this Friday at um, downtown 
I think it's, I'm still new to, to Birmingham, but I think it's called the Lakeview District. Is that right? That's it, man. Right in the Lakeview District at uh, Avon Theater um, at 7 o'clock this Friday. And I've got uh, Paul that's going to fly in from Colorado. And then we've got some, we're sort of just piecing it together. i got a couple of friends coming from Augusta to be on keys and bass. I got a couple of friends from Nashville coming, um, just some great musicians to be a part of it. And, uh, I think it'll just be a really fun night. Um, and then, uh, my friend Wilder Atkins, uh, is, is going to play a few songs to start. He's just a really just awesome folk artist here in town. And, uh, so anyways, yeah, it's just going to be a great night. And, uh, Looking forward to putting it together. Anyone that's listening right now, if you're listening to this before Friday, this Friday, which is the, is that the 15th? 15th, yeah. Yeah, the 15th of September, come on down to the Avon Theater at 7 p.m. Wilder's a great opener, and then, of course, you get to hear Kirk's music. It's just going to be, it's going to be a great night. Uh, you can bring, bring your family. Kirk, real quick, um, what, what's coming up for the Wood Drake sessions outside of the show that's upcoming? Are you guys working on new music? Are you uh, planning on putting yeah. out another record? What's going on? We are, yeah. So a uh, couple things. One, one thing is we're, we're going to do a single for Advent, and I'm really excited about this awesome. song. Uh, uh, but yeah, so we've got a song called... Um, where the light is gone uh, is going to be our Advent song, and we'll share that at the we will Advent in September. We'll share that at the show, and then uh, and then in October we start the sort of the first fruits of the second record. So, Exciting. and I, I'm so pumped. We we uh, for any any like studio geeks out there, uh, which is probably <laughs> maybe just the two of us. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, there maybe a few were, others. There's a, uh, a place in Nashville called Studio A, and uh, yeah. we originally we're, we're going to do those. We're going to do our first three songs from the record in Studio A in Nashville. So Sick. it's going to be so much fun. And um, we got it at the Studio B price because Studio B was booked. So they're like, "Why don't you take Studio A?" There you we're go. We're like, "Okay." <laughs> so it's uh, it's a really cool place, but we're excited to to do it there. And and uh, anyways, a lot of, a lot of fun. We're we're excited. Dude, that's super cool, man. That's awesome. Um, well, tell us how we can find out more about Wood Drake Sessions. You guys have a website. Obviously, you can uh, anyone can stream your music on Spotify, Apple, and however people yep. listen. But is there a website or anything like that? Yeah, so we've got just the WoodDrakeSessions.com, and then all the socials is pretty much the same. Just the Wood Drake Sessions. Um, we're we're probably most active on Instagram, and then. Uh, any worship leaders can, you know, kind of access any of our uh, lead sheets or chord charts, whatever, on our website. And then, uh, yeah, um, but that's 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 pretty much it. So we're not too fancy. <laughs> well, Kirk, thank you so much for joining Shades Midweek and taking out time out of your schedule uh, to do this and. We'll, we need to have you back on, man. We'll we'll talk about uh we'll talk about some other fun stuff. Who knows? We can come up with something to discuss. Oh man, I'd love that. Cool. Well, thanks so much, and thank you all for listening. As usual, you can always email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org with any questions that you may have. 
And if you aren't doing anything on Friday night, please come to the show, 7 p.m. at Avon Theater, the Woodrake Session. It's going to be a beautiful night of music. I hope to see you all there. Thanks so much for listening.